This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. NFL season starts this Thursday with the Hall of Fame game preseason kicking off. Can't wait. Welcome back to Toronto Today. I'm Andy McNamara. You're listening on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, and across the iHeartRadio app. Some news about a half hour ago in New York Giants camp. Wide receiver Sterling Shepard down on the sideline, being taken off on a cart, apparently in tears. So reports Jordan ran an ESPN NFL Nation writer for the New York Giants. So that's what he's saying. Bad news for the Giants here. We're going to swing around several camps as our next guest, John Crick, NFL columnist for Post Media, has been on a whirlwind across the northern states. He's been to Buffalo. He's been to New England, uh, Chicago, Cleveland, and Detroit. John, how are you? Do you know where you are now? Uh, not really. I know I'm in Canada. It's the 401, so I'm just going to ride that until I see the green and white sign that says home and white arrow. Then I'm going there. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's been a crazy few days for you. Um, so when we spoke on Monday, you had finished with uh, the Pats, the Colts, the Browns, and the Bills, and you were in Chicago and then went to Detroit. So let's start in, in Chicago. Interesting quarterback situation. You bring in Mike Lennon, big dollars for a, a, essentially a backup. Then you draft Mitchell Trubisky as high as they did. What are you seeing in Bears camp? Wait, let's Pretty clear cut. It's going to be Mike Glennon who's going to quarterback that team this year. I don't think there's much doubt about that. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky, the quarterback they traded up, gave up a first-round pick to move up one spot to get him number two overall. Well, he is uh, he is one impressive quarterback from a throwing standpoint. Okay. He has tools. He's six three. He's he's more athletic and speed than you'd think for somebody that size. Uh, as much as you can gain from one practice, but he he looks like he's got a great arm. A really fast, tight, uh, pretty relief. I mean, he's just got all those type of tools. But the quarterback's coach, Dave Ragone, afterward was talking about, he wasn't saying that Trubisky doesn't have these things, but by talking about him continually, he was pretty much saying that Trubisky just can't play right now. He right. is he coming from a spread. You know, and he, it, it's, it's funny that Bruce Arians back at the, the annual meeting uh, when he was sitting down with reporters was talking about how a lot of quarterbacks today – they can't even lead in the huddle. Like, mm-hmm. And you're talking about big grown men who have to, you know, are worrying about putting food on the table. They want a leader. They want a guy that they can trust is going to get them in the right play and lead them down the field. Well, a lot of these spread quarterbacks come out, and they can't do that because they just look to the sideline for the, the big photos of Farrah Fawcett and screwdrivers <laughs> and everything else that they, they throw up as, as tip signs for these guys for a play to call. So they, he's right now learning the verbiage. He's learning the the proper three, five, and seven-step drops, where to throw it, uh, and all these pre-snap things that the, the quarterback coach went into wonderful detail on for a guy like me that loves this stuff, and I'm sure a lot of the, the, the listeners out there like it too. He was talking about how you know you have to get into the right play, know what play it is, and then you have to understand the defense to know whether to change out of that play into something else to set your protections. These are things that are all new, and you just can't learn them in, in a month and a half at uh, OTA spring practices and then uh, right now uh, half a week into their training camp. It's going to take him a while to do that, and if he doesn't even play it down this year or dress or play in a game, it would not be surprising. It doesn't mean that he's a flop of a pick. In fact, the opposite of that could be true. Look, look, look at Jared Goff. 
even played yeah. the first half of the season last year for the Rams, if he hadn't played it down, we'd all be going, hey, this is the first-round draft pick who you know hasn't played yet. There'd be excitement. Well, what happened? They put him in in garbage games at the end of the year that didn't matter when he wasn't ready. And I've, I've already, had, already read it in a couple of magazines and preseason uh, previews saying, you know, can he bounce back from his floppish start? Well, you know, if I'm, if I'm, the, if I'm the GM or the piece of the, of, the, uh, of, the, of the Bears, I'm going, look, you know, I'm only going to play this guy if we really have to play him. So Mike Glennon, on the other hand, is five years into his career. He's played in, I think, uh, something like 29 games. Uh, he's he's uh, far more ready to play. And, in fact, Mark Sanchez looks far better even uh, from that standpoint at uh, the practice on Monday, their backup. And he might be the backup if Trubisky can't play. Um, Mark Sanchez even looked pretty good in there. And then at least, yeah, you have that extra bit of depth if things start to go south. And yet, right. John, you're right. A lot of people forget in college today, like, it is a, a yeah, a, you flash up a card, a sign, they look to the sideline for guidance. Or, and even then, if it's no huddle, it's, all right, well, if you don't see your first read, you run. And and Mitchell Trubisky mm-hmm. as well only played, he only started one year, so he's even raw from that standpoint. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you look at the man the old things, as was a dope person, I used to say, if you didn't play two or three years in college, I'm not interested in drafting mm-hmm. matter. You know, I think it's beyond that now because most people you talk to, the quarterback throwing experts, um, they get a chance to talk to some of them during the year. Sometimes the guys are in the media now like Kurt Warner. And they'll say that, look, the quarterbacks by and large coming out are, are as talented as they've ever been throwing-wise. They go to these camps when they're 11 years old and they just they become better mechanically, if you will. But it's the understanding the pro game is becoming less and less frequent among these top end kids, just because they're they're not used to the the, the drops. The, the, mm-hmm. Well, Trubisky dropped three of the first six snaps in the uh, from under center at the wow. first uh, padded scrimmage on Saturday, and of course, Bears Nation was all melting down. Oh, already! Well, <laughs> it goes beyond just taking a few fluke drop snaps. I mean, this is these are the the detailed things that quarterbacks have to know. And it's funny how you know in the draft. This season went in, you know, from January to March, especially with the Combine. We're all just looking at so much of the physical tools and the physical talents and the 40 times and whether they can hit these crisp out patterns or not. I'm as guilty of it as anyone, but it still comes down to understanding the verbiage and whether you can confidently and routinely uh, say these plays, understand the plays, get the t- look at the defense, understand what it's showing you, and get you to that next level. To segue to the my next stop, which was yesterday, he was in Detroit. Uh, I got a chance uh, to speak with Matt Stafford alone uh, after practice yesterday. Okay. Matthew, sorry, because I asked him, what do you prefer, Matt or Matthew? He's like, definitely Matthew. Okay, you'll be Matthew from now on. <laughs> All right, Matty. So, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, well, his first given name is John, and I was a little uh, offended that he didn't keep that one. He said he didn't, didn't like that name. Oh, well, you know, but, but the interview went well. <laughs> no, but I was asking him, I said, you know, we hear so much from these young quarterbacks about, you know, how the game doesn't slow down right away. And, and once it does, they can, you know, do do good things. I said, you know, you're nine years now into the league. Uh, does it still slow down for you, somebody that deep into the league? And, and he said, not so much, he says, but you just get more of a confidence uh, of an, of understanding what's, what you're seeing in the defense and how to get in the right play instead of like a kid like Trubetsky right now who would just be guessing. Right. Um, you know, Stafford is at a point in his career when he knows the right thing to do more often than not. And he was saying, too, he's telling me that he loves the offense since uh, Jim Bob Cooter took over a lot of offensive coordinator late in the 2015 season. Best name in football, by the way, John. 
Best name in football. (laughs) You are not a basketball point guard named Jim Bob. No, you're not. You are a football coach, a quarterback coach. That's just the way it is. (laughs) But he said he loves loves this guy's play calling because he gives Matthew so much freedom to change the play. And he he was all but saying that, you know, he was so frustrated after before that because he'd see something, a play that, you know, he didn't think would work and he couldn't change out of it because that was the way that their offense system had worked at the line of scrimmage. So um, to, to get back to that point on, the, on these young quarterbacks, he was just saying that, you know, once you get to that point in your head where you understand these defenses and know what to do, then it's just a matter of, you know, I'm sure there'd be some line cynics out there that'll say, oh, yeah, you still got to have a cement, if you have a cement head, you're still going to make cement headed decisions. Well, that's possible with <laughs> some of the quarterbacks that struggle sometimes, but uh, it really is an interesting when you hear when you see the layers pull back on exactly what it is that these quarterbacks are, are asked to do and, uh, and what's expected of them and what they have to know right out of the gate. It's amazing that anyone playing their first year, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're totally right. In conversation with John Crick, NFL columnist for Post Media on Twitter at John Crick. One more Lions question for you here. We saw yeah. Matt Stafford playing Matthew Stafford. Yeah. Don't want to upset Mr. Stafford. Uh, playing at an MVP level before that that uh, uh, finger. I think it was a finger injury um, mm-hmm. last season, and then things started going south for the Lions. If you look at this lineup, the running back position as a complimentary uh, with complimentary help, very underwhelming. The receiver side. All right, Golden Tate. Nice possession receiver, Marvin Jones, uh, probably a little overpaid a year ago as free agent. It was it's amazing what Matt, uh, Matthew Stafford has been able to do with what's been around him. Uh, so I can only guess that if the Lions are healthy with Matthew Stafford, then uh, hey, they have a chance at the division. I think so because Green Bay isn't going to be as good. Nope. They lost two, two more offensive line starters, so that's three. Uh, they've lost since uh, well in the last twelve months, right? They're yeah, before last season when um, uh, Sutton left. But I don't know. I think you're going to have, when you've got Aaron Rodgers, you're obviously always going to have a chance. Uh, but I do expect that they'll have a tougher time to win the division this year. And the Lions, as much as anybody, I think probably more than the, than the Vikings, should have a really good chance to win it. Uh, their defense and their running game, I guess, are always going to be, uh, it seems in, in this century, are always going to be question marks with the Lions. Um, and there's enough at each level, I suppose, for Detroit um, that you can, you know, pick apart their defensive chances. But when you've got a quarterback like Matthew Stafford, who, as you say, last year was playing mid-season as well as anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, if people forget, you know, they, they had to lose the last five games to not win that division. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what they – otherwise they would have won the division, right? Um, so they, they, they got off to a good start. Uh, if the Lions, you know, and as everybody who's I'm from that area, they all remind me, you know, they only won one playoff team since the 50s. Yes, this is very true. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just to get there for them now was almost uh, not enough, which when I was growing up, if they even got to the playoffs, that was almost cause for parade. Well, they've been to the playoffs you now three times in the Matthew Stafford era, so – uh, it's time for them to get over the hump, and I asked him, "What's the one thing you guys got to do to do that?" And you know, he kind of came back with a bit of a, a cliched answer, but he said basically, "Look, if you're thinking that it's one thing, you're not going to get there. You've got to, you know, just every day get better at every level of the of the game, uh, every level, whatever your position." He said, "That's the only way we're going to do it. If we start thinking that, you know, we're that one thing away." He said it's the wrong way to think about it because I think the franchise as a whole has been always thinking it's one player away for the last sixty years. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a championship drive right there. It sure is. Uh, and last one for you here, John. Uh, Herm Edwards was on uh, our morning show, Naylor and Landsberg. And he, uh, I want to play this, uh, this clip for you here. Uh, said that the NFL would be smart to allow the use of marijuana. Just have a listen here. I think it's a smart, smart move by the National Football League. Any time we can do things to alleviate pain um, from players, we need to look into it. Now, I know it's a banned substance at this point. And with that being said, I, I think if you get tested and you test positive, that's a problem. Um, but I think the league is, is, is understanding that this is becoming uh, used as a supplement uh, for, for pain relief, and if it, it, and it can help players, and then you look into it. There's no doubt about that. So what, what's your take? The, the old uh, adage, okay, hey, you know what? Today's society, some states, it's legal using marijuana for pain relief in the NFL. Well, whether it's illegal, whether it is legal or not in NFL circles or law circles, there are, you know, in any given season, nearly a couple thousand NFLers, and a lot of them do use it mm-hmm. for pain alleviation. I'm sure some of them use it for, you know, the high, whatever, the traditional reasons. But they should, there's, there's an easy way that the NFL can do this. And, of course, it's not just the very first time you test positive, you are suspended for a game. It's nothing like, you know, it's not like this, this is the Olympics. You, know, you have to hit certain thresholds and repeats. Uh, I couldn't cite those to you now, but so all they would have to do is, is with the players' association, because all these rules have to be collectively bargained and agreed to. They would have to talk to the NFLPA and just kind of lighten the load there a bit. You know, we're not, not going to give you a four-game suspension right away because if it's to the point where somebody's you know addicted to it or uh, has an actual you know, a mental or physical addiction to to any type of substance, I don't think it's a good idea to just turn your eye, whether it's alcohol or anything, right? Right, um, and so you you can't make it less strict than their alcohol rules because if somebody's you know always getting DUIs or is always testing positive for alcohol, then they also similarly have substance issues for that. So uh, I think what they should probably do is just not make it quite as strict uh, with the marijuana, and that might be a segue until the, the next CBA is negotiated at the end of the decade. Right, transition that way. Well, John, thank you so much for taking the time. Always appreciate your, your hard work uh, going around to camps and uh, look forward to, to reading everything that you got this season on the NFL at, uh, on Post Media. Hey, thanks a lot. By the end of by the, this weekend, I'll have uh, some top 10 camp observations, which I was hinting with you the other day. Ooh. So that'll be in papers and online uh, on the weekend. Excellent. I mean, I'm sure you'll tweet it out on Twitter at John Crick. Well done. Great. All right. Thanks, John. Have a good one. Thanks, Andy. Bye-bye. All right, John Crick. So, again, on Twitter, at John Crick, K-R-Y-K. Folks, I talked to a lot of NFL experts, and most of them are tremendous. John Crick is a next-level guy. He's been able to get certain access that only a select few have. Like, at the NFL Combine, most people, most reporters, are not able to watch the quarterbacks throw privately. Not the TV sessions, but throw privately. John Crick's one of those guys, so check out his work uh, right there. A uh, quick bit of CFL news. Canadian Football League uh, is changing the video review rules. So coaches to get one challenge per game now, and the CFL is going to hold a national conference at 2 o'clock. We have the Argonauts game on the station Thursday. So tomorrow, 7.30 kickoff. I have the pregame for you at 7 o'clock. Argos welcome in the Calgary Stampeders. So that was real NFL life. But now you're, you're it's the beginning of August. And the talk amongst your friends or groups, when's our NFL fantasy draft going to come about? When are we doing that? And some tips. You're always looking for those sleepers, for those value buys, where to buy or not to buy certain players. Well, one of my go-to fantasy experts, Andrew Garda from Pro Football Weekly on the line. Andrew, how's it going, buddy? Going okay. Uh, we're really back in the middle of football, aren't we? Oh, that, that was quick. It's, it's great. It, yeah, it was. And you know what? It snuck up on me. 
But the Hall of Fame game, the first preseason game, is tomorrow. Like, that that escalated quickly. That, that came up out of nowhere, it seemed. And yeah, not, then we're back in, in the swing of football, man. It's, uh, it's crazy. So, as I was saying, and I should tell people, too, they can check out your At The Whistle podcast. Um, they can get that on Twitter, at Andrew Garter. That's a great listen as well. Uh, but for the, the fantasy side of things, Andrew... We're into this year, and some notables coming out today. You have, for the Miami Dolphins, Jay Ajay out with a concussion, and Sterling Shepard of the Giants being carted off the field. Um, it, it, I guess for, for fantasy pools, it's important to be checking the injury uh, wire and see what's up there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of when you really need to start uh, diving into, you know, checking out uh, like the news wire over football guys or Roto World, and just kind of keep abreast of it, at least at the end of you know, every day or every other day as you get towards your draft uh, because you, you don't know. It sounds really bad. Sterling Shepard gets taken off the field. Uh, you know, there are times when it has turned out to be really bad, like Teddy Bridgewater last year, mm-hmm. but sometimes it ends up just being precautionary. I mean, I've been – this year I'm not over at Giants training camp, but I've been there uh, a couple years, and uh, they're, they're super cautious. Uh, okay. you know, they think somebody tweaks their knee or their ankle or something – they're very cautious. That doesn't mean that Shepard isn't really badly hurt, but it is something you can't be uh, you can't be knee jerk reactive. You have to wait and see how things go. The thing with a Jai, a Jai, like I think that's a bigger impact because Shepard's one of those guys you pick up a little bit later. He's a he's a decent depth wide receiver, sure. and we don't know how the distribution of targets is going to be with Odell and with Brandon Marshall there. Um, but uh, you know, a Jai is supposed to carry the load here, and you know they're. There were injury concerns coming out of college, but that was involving his knees. He had had knee surgeries and issues there. Um, the concussion is something that we have to be very aware of because, uh, you know, these things seem to happen more than once. So if you have a concussion in preseason or you know, pre-preseason, you know, you have to kind of make sure that you look at his situation and say, okay, if I'm picking up a Jai. You know, who else on Miami is going to be worth me grabbing? Because you just don't know if he's going to get another one this year. Uh, he's not a guy who's probably going to be your number one running back. But he's somebody who's going to be a significant number two for you. Sure. So you have to make sure you protect yourself. Yeah, and he's a, certainly a top ten fantasy running back. And I'm looking at the Dolphins depth chart right now. Uh, other options, Andrew, a sexy character such as Kenyon Drake. How about Storm Johnson? Centerize Perry. <laughs> Uh, Devion Smith or Damian Williams? I guess uh, if I'm, you know, if I have JJ, I don't know if I want one of those handcuffs right now. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it, Williams is as uh, uh, disappointed a couple of times, mm-hmm. um, you know, so uh, it looked like you might get overtaken by Kenyon Drake, who's a guy that I really like a lot, uh, you know, but you look at the rest of it, you know, Devion Smith. Storm Johnson. Well, I like Johnson coming out of college, but he hasn't really shown much, and I never expected him to be a big time back. But I think he has some, you know, nice hops. And what what should scare you about this is that if a Johnny goes down and is down for a significant period of time or is in and out of the lineup, this this smells a lot like running back by committee. So hmm. yeah, in this particular case, it may be worth your time to go a little bit early and grab a solid number two running back. Um, you know, who, who isn't going to be a hand for a backup, but can replace Ajayi if you need him to. And, hey, what's the worst that can happen? Ajayi is healthy the entire season. You have an extra back, and maybe you could trade him for a wide receiver, quarterback, tight end, someone else you need down the stretch as you're getting ready for playoffs. 
Right. Uh, in conversation with Andrew Garda from Pro Football Weekly and Football Guys. Dot com on Twitter at Andrew underscore Garda. Uh, you mentioned the running backs, and this is the last couple of years. It seems all right. You got a plethora of wide receivers, quarterbacks. You you know you're not taking them them early, but running backs and tight ends have been difficult, especially the running back side. Like Andrew, if you don't, if you're not taking a top three running back, like you're you're fumbling the whole season to try to patchwork guys who are filling in here, and it's it's guesswork. If, if first round pick, is it advisable to to go running back as early as possible? Never mind the number two, but for that RB one, uh, I, I think so. I mean, when you when you look at some of the guys, you do have some question marks. Ezekiel Elliott, you know, he's a guy who right now has average draft position. He's the third back coming off the board, sixth pick overall, basically at, at most if he drops that far. But is he going to be suspended for a couple of weeks? Um, you know, like Sean McCoy's got some sort of stomach issue going on right now. Especially if you're looking at those first two picks and you've got David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell, who I would say most people would be on board with those are your first two picks. Right. I think passing on them is a very, very dangerous thing. I think once you look at the uncertainty of an Ezekiel Elliott, uh, I, I think maybe then you're thinking, okay, well, I could tilt towards uh, a top wide receiver, you know, a, a guy like, uh, Julio Jones, um, you know, or Antonio Brown, or maybe depending on your release. But you can go after a guy like Elliott. You just have to make sure that you've got Darren McFadden and Alfred Morris. And, and that's the uncertainty. So we hear what happens with Elliott. It could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. It could be Friday news dump. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a bit of an uncertainty there. Uh, but I think I think you really do have... I think it's easier to cobble together wide receivers than it is um, running backs. Yeah, and and I feel like last year was a perfect storm of a lot of injuries. You know, we saw a lot of guys go down very early with injuries, and so that threw things kind of askew. But I, I do feel like once you get past Johnson, Bell, Elliott, depending on your risk factor, maybe McCoy, uh, Devonta Freeman, you're starting to get into areas where, you know, Jordan Howard, how good do you feel about him in Chicago? Melvin Gordon, how good do you feel behind that Chargers offensive line? A Johnny, you know, how do you feel? I feel like a Johnny, you know, we were talking about him with the concussion. If that offensive line is healthy and he's healthy, he could be a very, very good back. But there's some question marks there. You get Mark Murray, Todd Gurley. If you are there at the top half of that first round of the draft, that's where your best bets are. Uh, and, I think you hit it the nose on the head, the nose on the head, the nail on the, head. <laughs> the nail on the nose on the head. There you go. I got see, got to get back into this. Yeah. Um, I think I think you really hit it in that um, you know you're you're in a situation where you're you're going to be passing in guys every week, and uh, I, what mo- the guy who I think is most interesting right now to see where he lands is Marshawn Lynch because mm-hmm. right now he's going thirteenth. 13th running back off the board. He's going somewhere in the neighborhood of like third round, maybe second round an occasion, but mostly third. And, and I, I've seen a couple drafts where he's going on fourth. And to me, you know, that Oakland Raiders line is such an underrated line. Um, and, and Lynch, you know, he, he's been out of it for a little while, but I think they're going to lean on him. He's got a great offense around him. I, I wonder if, if you're a guy who is at the turn, or coming close to that first half of that of that first round, or second half of that first round, you know, you're eight, nine, ten, or if you're in a larger draft, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I I, I think Lynch is a guy that you go after 
instead of some of the wide receivers. Hmm. Um, I think he's a guy who could exceed his value. I really feel like coming back, um, I think he's going to be very hungry. He's playing for Oakland, which is his hometown. I think Lynch could be a guy who, as of his ADP now, that could change in the next month. Um, But I I think he's going to outperform that ADP. Andrew, great stuff as always. Never enough time. Thank you so much. Uh, people can find your podcast at The Whistle with Andrew Garda on your Twitter account at Andrew underscore Garda and read all your fine work at Pro Football Weekly and FootballGuys.com. Absolutely. I'm on vacation this week. Oh, wow. But uh, I'll, I'll be back at it next week. Yeah, I got to have a breathe. <laughs> this, this is the last one for you, man. <laughs> this is it. This is not, it. Only, not only that, <laughs> I do some stuff locally. Uh, and so I have three local high schools that I have to cover next week. Oh, my gosh. So wow. it's, uh, it's going to be all NFL, and, and uh, I'll fit college in there somewhere, too. <laughs> I don't know. what I, You may never hear from me again. I no. may fall apart somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll send help. Uh, Andrew. Oh, please do. <laughs> Andrew, enjoy the vacation, and we'll do it again soon. All right, definitely. All right, that is Andrew Garda on Twitter, at Andrew underscore Garda. Always great fantasy advice. He's good at answering questions on Twitter, too. So you can uh, always hit him up there. Um, Raptors talk coming up at 1230. Didn't get a chance to ask Andrew this, but quarterback-wise, I'm looking at uh, some rankings of fantasy quarterback-wise, and I don't see Marcus Mariota there. You have Derek Carr ranked in kind of that 6-7 range. I'm really thinking that you can probably get a great value on Marcus Mariota in your fantasy draft with the weapons. They add rookie Corey Davis, who's a B6-3-209. The running back selection, you had Derrick Henry, DeMarco Murray, of course, to help complement. Now, he's coming off the leg injury. By all accounts, he's back to full health. But him and Derek Carr, to me, are, are really close. And Mariota can have that little bit of extra uh, running ability, too. So keep an eye on the Titans and the weapons with Marcus Mariota. I think he could be a value pickup for you in your fantasy football draft. All right, we'll take the break. Afterwards, some Raptors talk. Dwayne Watson, Raptors game night co-host. Dwayne Casey calling out the league saying, shame on you for not wanting to build a super team in Toronto. We'll get to that and more on TSN 1050 here on Toronto Today. Welcome back to Toronto Today here on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, and on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara with you until 1 o'clock, then Mike Hogan takes over. Blue Jays, CFL, NFL, cover a lot of ground so far, but now it's time to talk some Raptors and some NBA offseason. Incredibly busy offseason for the NBA. But head coach of the Raptors, Dwayne Casey, making some noise yesterday on our sister station, TSN 1040, in Vancouver, Casey calling out players not wanting to come to Toronto. Shame on NBA players who don't want to come to Toronto and play. Shame on them because they're missing out on a great organization, a great city, uh, a team that's, you know, you talk about building a super team. Why not come to Toronto and do it there? That's my, my recruiting pitch to them. We, we've got the everybody you want to go to Minnesota, you want to go to Phoenix. That's bullcrap because we have everything you want to have, uh, a rabid fan base, a whole country that you can come be a part of. All the negative stuff, uh, the weather, taxes, all that is bullcrap because you have those same other issues in other places. And I understand I've heard all the arguments and all that. But we feel like we have the best place to come and play. Shame. 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 Dwayne Casey. Shaming. Shame on the rest of the NBA. 
Let's get his take on that and other Raptors offseason moves. Dwayne Watson. Sweets. How are you, buddy? Good to hear your voice. Eh? Oh. How's, summer, how's summer treating you? It's it's treating me good. I don't know if you saw the tweet. I at tweeted you at Dwayne Watson. Uh, uh, as always, I try to work in some old school NWO. I got some Dennis Rodman and Hollywood Hogan up there. Hey, I thought you'd appreciate that's, that's it. That's the team. <laughs> I, I'm Robin, you're Hogan, I take it. Uh, uh, well, either way. <laughs> Robin's holding the belt in this one, so it's all good. Tag me in, tag me in. Yeah. Hey, I mean, great on Coach Casey. Yeah. I mean, always want to hear at fire. I mean, you know, he's generally a reserved, even kill kind of guy. And, it's, and, you know, he spoke out and thought that Toronto was a destination. And I agree with him. I don't even think that. I think that no one wants to go to Toronto was kind of an old myth at this point, I think. The biggest thing where people want to go to different teams is a winning culture and atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And the Raptors have proven that over the few years of, of, of late, that that's a place that, that this team is committed to winning and can win. So I think that's a myth. Obviously, you have all-stars in the lineup, and Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. So I think really, you know, the super team thing really comes about, like, who guys want to play with, um, as opposed to, like, not thinking that Toronto is a destination. But I think, you know, I don't think anyone has really said that I don't want to come to Toronto because of those old-school reasons. But everyone... Whether they, you know, CJ Miles when he recently came to Toronto said he remembers the fans. The fans are one of the biggest things he remembers with Toronto, and every opposing team has said that too. So um, I think Toronto is definitely on the list. I think we got to look at it. There hasn't been a lot of money available for them to make those big right. you know, home run swings, but I think what is available, I definitely think Toronto is in the conversation. I mean, Lamarcus Aldridge you know, took meetings. Um, other players are considering Toronto, and I think that's a big step, and that's that's showing what the franchise is doing moving forward. Toronto Today brought to you in part by Lease Busters. They'll rescue you from your Carly's. Lease Busters, heroic, maybe, helpful, totally. People would love to take over your Carly's. For your lease relief, go to leasebusters.com. In conversation with Dwayne Watson, co-host on our Raptors Game Night broadcast. So, uh, Dwayne, we have the, and I want to get more into the Kyrie and Cleveland Cavaliers situation in a moment, but with the upset in, in Cleveland, if Kyrie moves on, depends when they get back, of course, is there a chance for a, a swing, maybe not totally with LeBron still there, but, but more of the Raptors having a chance? You have Boston in the mix too now, though. Oh, definitely. I think, you know, even if Kyrie stays, which I think, I think he will stay, but we'll get into that. Um, there's definitely room for a power shift. I mean, if they weaken that team, that team at their best, obviously, is hands down the best team of the conference. But, you know, who knows what assets are going to come out of this trade for Kyrie Irving. And that definitely shifts the balance. And I think, you know, this is one thing that Messiah has spoken about. Like, you know, you always got to try. You never know what could happen. And if, you know, Cleveland is on the ropes. I mean, a lot of their older vets aren't really doing it anymore for them. So they're going to rely really a lot more on their big three. And it does open up the, the conference. I mean, Boston obviously are, you know, teams you got, you know, they won the conference last year. Um, they obviously just should go to hear what is big. You have to see how the chemistry works out there. And Toronto obviously has lost a little bit, but obviously gained too. So, um, it's definitely, there's definitely a shot. I think they're the third best team in the conference for sure. And this team, the core of the team has played together and knows how to play together. And a full season with Sergio Bach is definitely going to help these guys. And what does CJ Miles bring, that addition? Three point shooting. That's something this team has lacked. I mean, it's yeah. a, outside of Kyle Lowry, I mean, he's the main three point shooter in this team. Uh, DeMar Carroll, we know, didn't really bring that in that department. DeMar DeRozan, that's not his strong suit, but he did so many other things. But. The ability for DeMar and Kyle to get to the basket and create for themselves, also having JV in the post. Um, Serge also can knock down the three, but you need more guys to spread at the floor so those guys can do it. So defenses have to be honest. They can't lead to them on the perimeter, who shot a career best last year in Indiana. Um, and also, we're very thin at the three spots of this team. So he's not going to be a lockdown defender, but he's someone who can definitely contribute in that regard. But opening up the floor is so key for this ball club because then 
less talk about the isolation ball because if the ball moves, the three-point shot opens up the floor. A guy like Pat Patterson, someone we looked at last year to get three-point shots and wasn't able to knock them down. Having that inside-outside situation also helps a guy like JV, too, so he can go to work in the post. Yeah, that's a great point. How that how CJ Miles could not just for what he's doing, but complement the rest of the core there. So if that uh, if if that's able to work out, and the dysfunction continues in Cleveland. So let, let's circle back there to Kyrie Irving comes out. He wants out of town, um, and I guess Dwayne. My first reaction was, "Well, doesn't this guy want a title?" But if you think of it. His entire career has been affected by LeBron James. He was drafted first overall by Cleveland because LeBron left. Then LeBron comes back, and he's the guy now. And then LeBron could leave again next year, and then he'd be stuck. Do you blame Kyrie for wanting out now, or is it a year too soon? Um, I, I don't blame him. I mean, I, mean, I, I thought that LeBron was definitely going to be out after the this year, and you know, Kyrie would be stuck with, stuck with the ship. Um, it's really more, I think, a lot of the Kyrie drama is like kind of what's being said and how it's kind of come out. Like, is it because he doesn't want to play with LeBron? And I mean, obviously, Kyrie hasn't called me up to give me the inside scoop. But that, <laughs> that sounds odd because, you know, obviously LeBron is the star, but Kyrie also had, he was able to do what he wanted last season. He, he got the touches, he got the shots he needed, he won a championship. We know that before LeBron showed up, he didn't have that. Um, but, you know, some players, it's their ego, I think. You know, I think for him, he might be able to say, hey, I want to be the man somewhere, and if I don't win a championship, that's okay, because he has one in the back of pocket from Cleveland. It just seems a little off. Um, I think Cleveland doesn't necessarily have to trade him, though. This isn't a situation like we've seen where players are going to be free agents and they're going to make a move and they're trying to collect assets. There's no real onus on them to trade him. The only concern is, how is the chemistry in the locker room? If this stuff is true about him not want to play LeBron or LeBron wanting to put hands on him or all that stuff, it's going to be friction for a team that's focused on a championship. So I got to see Kyrie moving, but I also don't have the leverage now because every team knows that they have to move him. And I don't think his destinations are going to be in play because Cleveland doesn't have to trade him where he wants to go. They just have to get assets they want in return for all-star point guard and Kyrie Irving. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like, he could be traded... Anywhere. You could go to Sacramento. Yeah. You, could, you could go anywhere. And the question then becomes for Cleveland, all right, what do you get back? Because there's the mindset of, okay, you need kind of to start building on a post-LeBron plan. Uh, but also, your window to win is right now. You're still the best team in the Eastern Conference. And you have to try to find some way to make another run at Golden State, who presumably is once again going to get to the finals. Yeah, I'm Dad Gilbert. I say Dad Gilbert because he's really the one that controls the shots. Sure. Regardless of who's in the GM chair, it's a great situation for himself because you're right. They can't just trade for assets moving forward in life after LeBron because LeBron's still there, mm-hmm. wants to win, and he's not going to be happy if they get a bunch of draft picks and projects and prospect players to fill that role. So, um, and that's the biggest problem with Cleveland. They've always been in a win now mode and, you know, mortgaging the future. And if this is the last year, we all know that, you know, you're a Cleveland guy. I don't think LeBron is returning. He's done his part. He's one of the champions. Yeah. Competitive. Maybe he retires there, but. He still has enough to go to a different team and, and help someone win a championship, and I think that's his goal. And the Cleveland franchise is going to be in a bit disarray because if they try and make moves for players now who are on the cusp or you know kind of on their you know just right there to win now, you know it's cash play too. And I think I say Dan Gilbert because I don't like how he's handled his gyms in the past, obviously um, with with Griffin and the other situations and how he feels that his gyms have presidential terms, no more than four years, as opposed to six years guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's what, that's what happens when you have metal some owners, and I think it's a tricky situation. Of course, you know Kyrie wants to move, and LeBron James is on the cusp. And do they go back to being the Cavaliers of old? Only you will know, my friend, Mr. McNamara. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. It, it, it is. It is interesting though, Dwayne, because you have Golden State. Um, Still in full control. And also, one other thing, as we're running out of time, the video coming out, Steph Curry uh, <laughs> mocking, making fun, whatever you want to call it, at what looked to be a wedding or something, with Kyrie beside him, and then Steph Curry being asked yesterday at uh, a golf tournament, saying, wow, well, we're backpedaling, you know, it's just, I was inspired, but you, yeah, come on, Steph. Like, he said that he didn't know he was being filmed. Is, that, is there anything to make of that? Uh, well, first of all, Steph's a bad politician, of course. I mean, <laughs> that stuff, you're, you're at a wedding, you're a Pulaski doing that stuff. I mean, I think, I think you know, you mentioned that how crazy this offseason has been and it has been. It's probably been the best in years, and everything has been magnified times 10. Um, you know, LeBron James cuts his hair, does a video, it's, it's a thing. And, you know, I think, I think he was making a little jab. And, and Kyrie, it's, it's kind of funny because if someone is, if someone is mocking you, Andy, and we're somewhere and you're not there and doing something – and I'm your teammate, like, we're on the same team, I'm not going to, like, ha, 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 ha. I'm going to, yeah. you know. So, I mean, because we know where Kyrie's head's at. Kyrie is, a, is not on Team LeBron, so that's fine. Um, Steph Curry, I mean, you know, they're going to take shots. They've always been taking shots towards the Cavs, you know, the Halloween party with the cookies and all that <laughs> stuff. And so there's always shots there. It's, it's good because it gives us stuff to talk about. But you know that when these guys get on the floor, it's going to amp the level of intensity of competition oh. one level further, even though they've gone three times in the final. So it's going to make for an interesting NBA season, without question. Yeah, like it, it, already you didn't need any more fuel, and now there's exactly. this with, with the Kyrie angle. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be pretty fascinating as uh, camp will be here before we know, and then we'll see what, what the Raptors look like. Dwayne, thank you so much. Enjoy uh, the summer, and we'll talk again soon. Take care, Andy. All right, that is Dwayne Watson, Raptors Game Night co-host here on TSN 1050 on Twitter, at Dwayne Watson. I thought that was a great point by Dwayne. Okay, it's fun and games. He's having a little joke on LeBron's expense, whatever. But if Kyrie Irving is Team LeBron, if he's fully committed to the Cavs, I don't care how harmless or, or whatever the joke was, that should piss you off. That's your guy. That's your captain. That's your leader. That's the reason you have a ring, man. That's the reason you're a champ. No other reason. If it was Kyrie and Kevin Love, Cavs aren't winning a title two years ago. They're not. It's because of LeBron. You can call yourself an NBA champion because of LeBron James. So if you're fully invested, Steph Curry doing that out of function, that should upset you. Not laugh along. So we know where Kyrie's at. What's it going to be like if he does not get traded? Because, yeah, the Cavs, as Dwayne said, the Cavs don't have to trade him. They can say, you're showing up to camp. We have not gotten what we wanted yet for you. We're not going to give you away because we don't have to. So play. How's it going to be like? It's going to be awkward. So lots of storylines in a very exciting NBA offseason. We'll take the break. We'll come back and wrap things up with some uh, Jays, a little bit of CFL, and WTF as Toronto Today continues here on TSN 1050. Yes, back to wrap up Toronto today, brought to you in part by Lease Busters. Lease Busters will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie. A piece of cake. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit leasebusters.com. I'm Andy McNamara with you to the top of the hour. Then Mike Hogan takes over. You're listening on TSN 1050, TSN1050.ca, and on the iHeartRadio app. Reminder, Argos Football comes up on the station tomorrow night as they host the Calgary Stampeders. So your first place. Argonauts down at BMO Field, 7.30 kickoff. I have the pregame show for you at 7 o'clock. Also, if you want your CFL fix tonight, I host CFL Weekly. You can hear that on the station right after Overdrive at 7 p.m. Talk Argos and tee up 
all the Week 7 storylines from around the Canadian Football League. So from around not just the world of sports, but just around the world in general, a lot of weird stuff goes on. They defeat the Toronto Blue Jays 19-1. to Oh, that's nasty. You come to the rink to see something maybe you've never seen before. And that might be one of those moments. It's only two dudes better than me. And I'm both of them. Stay off the weed. W-P-F. So there you go. I love the, <laughs> love the Family Guy Cleveland reference there. That's great. Uh... So mine, my WTF moment is, you can find on TMZ Sports, there's video taken in NFL locker room sometimes, guy goofing around, having a good time. And this one's called Breaking News Giant Turnup. So you have different New York Giants players, they're dancing, they're showing off their dance moves in the locker room. Then it pans to Eli Manning in what I can only describe as Eli looks at like somebody at a grade 8 dance who went without a date and is just, I don't even know how to describe it. He's kind of shuffling, sort of moving his arms, has a big goofy grin on. Pretty much what you'd expect Eli Manning to look like dancing is what this is. It's it's a definite WTF moment. You can check that out at TMZ.com under their TMZ Sports. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's off-putting. It's, it's weird. It's one of those things you'll look at, kind of like a lava lamp. You can't take your eyes off it, but you're not really liking it. So that's my WTF. Uh, Scrizzy. He's, uh, he's the male Elaine Bennis. Oh, that's a great description. Uh, yeah, things are kind of... He doesn't flail as much, but it's still uncomfortable to watch. What do you got, Scrizzy, for your WTF? Oh, uh, well, I did send it to you, but the uh, Titans wide receiver, Rashard Matthews... Well, I wanted you to set it up, guy. Well, he got a, <laughs> he got a new tattoo. Yeah. And it's a picture of Obama and Michelle. Well, Barack and Michelle. Sorry, that's uh, supporting your 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 former president and first lady. That's a real commitment, though. I'm waiting for Taylor Luan to get a, a Trump tattoo. Oh, I guess though, like since he's out of office, it's not like he can do anything in power to screw up. And so it's probably a safe tattoo if you're an Obama fan. It's it's a commitment, though. Definitely a commitment. It's a commitment. Okay. Keith Bauer, what's your WTF, bud? My WTF would be the dad bod pic that is circulating online of Kobe Bean Bryant (laughs) that lasted only three minutes before he decided to delete it. Uh, He posted a picture of him looking a little bit thick, a little bit bigger than uh, the former NBA star maybe should be, with the caption, objects on camera may appear larger than they do in the mirror. (laughs) Ha ha. Okay, okay, okay. Give me 30 days. Hashtag challenge accepted. Hashtag Mamba Thick. Hashtag Mamba Beast. And that's my WTF moment because I just don't know how. I mean, he's only been out of the NBA for, you know, a little over a year now. And he's not gross looking, though, Keith. He's not gross. You still see some upper abs. But compared upper abs. A little bit. Look at that gut. That is a lot more than upper abs. That that is the Keith Bauer. That's the Keith Bauer, Michael Strizniak special right there. (laughs) Wow. We, We both have two packs, and that's basically what. Yeah, you I, start I, 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 I look at this and I feel a lot better about my own body. You're almost halfway to a six pack if you got a two pack. Almost. Right? That's, that's some good math right there. Andy. You're almost there. So Keith calling out Kobe for the self chirp pick. He's retired. Let him enjoy himself. Can he, yeah, think about professional athletes. You have to be disciplined for however how long did he play? He played forever. 
for how, and then before that, you have to be so disciplined. Let him have some sandwiches, some cake. Let him relax a little bit. Gosh, hating on poor Kobe for putting on a couple pounds. All right. Well, the Blue Jays today try to continue on the winning side. Uh, they won't have the Marcus Stroman drama. They doubled up the White Sox eight to four yesterday. It's an afternoon tilt. Against the White Sox in Chicago. So, Jay Hat, 3-8 and eight with a 4.15 ERA up against the White Sox. Derek Holland, who had a nice stretch back a couple months ago, but has really tailed off. And I come back to our original Twitter poll question to begin the show here in Toronto today at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81 is the core of this Jays team. GM Ross Atkins... He's comfortable with it. That seems to be the message putting out that this core can still be a playoff contender next season. Are you buying that? At TSN 1050 Radio, at AndyMC81. The poll question, uh, results so far. So again, can the Blue Jays contend for the playoffs next season with the same core group? Yes or no start the rebuild? 65% of you say no start the rebuild. 35% say yes. I just really don't see with how this team is built and they're going to be a year older, you're still going to have the same injury question marks, how they can contend. I don't see how. Because coming into this year, there are so many questions. They didn't get more athletic. They didn't tweak their lineup to compete with Cleveland or anybody else to make a true push. They thought, well, we'll see how this goes. And there were so many maybes. And if you have too many maybes, what happens? Not all those maybes work out. And for the Jays this year, who had a lot of health luck a year ago that luck went the other way this season so jose bautista isn't back to where he was and he's not going to be folks he's jose is a declining asset he has dh slash first baseman written in his future somewhere and a guy off the bench a big bat potentially so he's not there devin travis well maybe devin you can't rely on devin travis so you're going to roll out ryan gones as your starting second baseman okay troy tulowitzki We've been making excuses for Tulo since he arrived. He had a big power year the other, the other season. The average isn't there. Now he's out with a ligament damage in his ankle. Josh Donaldson had some calf trouble going into the final year of his contract. What is he going to be like? Steve Pierce loved the Grand Slams this week. Thank you. But he's not an everyday... On a championship team, Steve Pierce is not an everyday guy. One, because he, he can't stay healthy. And two, he should not be at left field. They have too many first baseman slash DH guys. Smoke, Pierce, now Bautista, Morales. And as part of the core too, Justin Smoke. What a year. All-star caliber season, yes. He's never done anything close to this before in the majors. Is it sustainable? We don't know. But that's another question mark where I'm not anywhere close to being comfortable to say, well, if the Blue Jays come back... With about the same group, a little tweak here and there, they'll be able to be competitive. Why would anyone think that? Why? Oh, and then the pitching staff. Stroman, love it. Hap, down year. Can he bounce back? He should. But we don't know. Jay Hap had a nice return to Toronto. But remember the first time around. Didn't go so well. Is he regressing back to that? Aaron Sanchez. You cannot discount these blister issues. You cannot just discount them. Say, oh, he'll figure it out. Really? How do you know? You know how to fix blisters on on a pitcher's finger? 
Al Leiter took years. It's becoming rampant to a certain degree across Major League Baseball. How's he going to figure that out? What if he doesn't? Then you're stuck with two pitchers. And the only sure thing so far seems to be Marcus Stroman. And then for closer, Roberto Osuna, who's been dynamite. So again, how do you think that this Jays team, with its same core, you're going to add the odd bit and piece. But if you keep it similar, how they're going to contend? The Red Sox are better. The Yankees are better. Tampa Bay made some moves at the deadline to try to get better. The only ones right now you can probably catch would be the Baltimore Orioles going into next year because their pitching is overall atrocious. But they got bigger bats, and, and they're two games under 500, where you're seven games under 500. So, like, what does that contention mean for you? Is it okay? Hey, if I'm five games out of the second wild card spot, that's good enough. Not for me. I want to have a real shot at this. Not the division necessarily, but a real shot at the wild card. Anyway, you can keep voting there at TSN 1050 Radio at Andy MC 81. Great show, everybody. Thank you so much to all of our guests. So, for producer Keith Bauer and Mike Skrzniak, I'm Andy McNamara. Mike Hogan is up next. You've been listening to Toronto Today on TSN 1050.